Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. This is Captain James Kirk of the USS Enterprise. This is Jean-Luc Picard, captain of the Enterprise. This is Captain Sisko of the USS Defiant. My name is Catherine Janeway. Brunjus Chill. everybody all pissed off because they're using them and their pronouns i'm like i'm like are we really this is where we're at like just like i had i've had this conversation with you a few times like my general consensus is all human beings deserve to be treated with love and respect until they give you a real reason not to be which is like <laughs> being a giant asshole or killing somebody some crazy like that um what people choose to call themselves or who people choose to partner up with, why I don't give a fuck. It's none of my business, bro. You know, and I, I feel like I'm I'm concerned that so many people are concerned with so many other people. Like who cares? Like they had even in the fucking in the episode we're about to do, I thought it was done perfectly, where she was ready. She said that she preferred to be called them or they. And she was ready for a fight. You could see it. Right. And then he goes, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, exactly. Because he's a he's a real motherfucking dude. He doesn't care. Like, it's this you. It's like, okay, you, you want to be, you want to be, okay, fine. That's, and I'll refer it's to like you I, as that. I like you. I respect you as a human being. If you want to be called that, I will try my best to remember. Because <laughs> I've, there's someone that I work with at Chase that, that preferred that. And some people would give her shit and stuff. I'm like, that's weird. It's work. You're not supposed to be talking about all that mess. And I told him, like, look, I will try my best. I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect, though. I mean, you're talking about rewriting an, an entire fucking language in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'll try, though. Um, and I just ended up not associating her with anything, even though I'm doing it now. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I don't know. And Star Trek's always done shit like this. Yeah, no, like it's. I, I was funny because there was a, there was a. Um, uh, I responded to fucking Deanna Troy today. Yeah, talking about that shit. Yeah, I know. Like you know, and the videos all like Star Trek gone woke, and somebody and I was reading the the comments on there, and they go, 
Yeah, just yesterday I watched a non-political two-parter of DS9 in which Cisco travels to 2024, John's an anti-police riot, uh, demands welfare reform, and Dax tells Mark Zuckerberg the, to use the internet to broadcast poor people. You yeah. know, you know, unpolitical stuff. And that that just filled that Twitter feed of just like, you know, it's like, I can't believe I'm seeing another discussion about outrage at Star Wars being political. It's always been political. Yeah. You know, it's like. Well, it's like I said to, um, well, I said in the, I wasn't talking directly to Sirtis, <laughs> but what I said in the, um, in the thread, I'm like, first interracial kiss was on Star Trek. Right. You know, Star Trek is always. Because Roddenberry was that he Roddenberry was always trying to push that narrative of like, can we get over this petty shit? Hmm. You know what I mean? Even having um, a horror on the bridge was a big deal because yeah. she was import, an important member of the crew. She wasn't just some some chick in the background. And there were chicks in the background in that show. This <laughs> is really weird how they used to have the little short skirt girls come in with definitely the 60s still. Right. But it wasn't fucking a horror. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> some, somebody off. showed this one here that says, uh, "Data, I decided to allow my child to cho- um, to choose its own sex and appearance." Yeah. Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> and then there was that episode with Riker, and he was falling for for an alien that didn't have a gender. Right. And and it's fucking all of DS Nine is political. Fucking fight me. That well, look, whole well, look show. At, look at and look at Dax when she started yeah. to rekindle with an old uh um what was it an old uh with a with a new host of an old uh mm-hmm. you know an old, somebody goes here they goes star trek has been political since day one they go um they could go rewatch every last episode of tos tng ds9 voyager enterprise disco and all the movies it's all there and then somebody replied that's pretty much the entire point of science fiction from day yeah, one the best commentary on society is, yeah it's all allegorical Fantasy's like, the same way too, but it can get even more disconnected. Yeah. Um, because like Lord of the Rings is a whole allegory between um industrialization, right. and change of society and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, like uh another one that's super political is Enterprise, bro. Oh, hell yeah. The politics are so layered in that show. And um there was another well, Voyager has a lot of episodes that grapple with uh morality and yeah. like what you should do and shouldn't do and stuff like that. It's just people again love to be outraged and it's like, yeah, okay, fine. This is what's currently going on. And at the, it's the, they, them thing. Do I fully agree? Think it's like a thing. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I just don't care. Like I want everyone to be happy, you know? And I think, and I, I read something that kind of makes more sense too. They're like, no logical person is saying that they're not born with a specific gender. People are just saying they associate with a specific gender when, when they get older and they can they can reason the fact. And I'm like that makes perfect sense to me. Well, that's what that's what um, Adira says. She's like, I never yeah. considered myself a girl, you know. And that makes perfect sense. Because honestly, what makes us feel a gender is how our chemicals are aligned. Now. If we're accepting the fact that you're born a gender and you might that might change how you feel about it isn't going to align with the biological fact, that's perfect. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Why are we arguing this? <laughs> no one said they were born, oh, I was born a boy. I just look like a girl. No one said that. It doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah. He, a lot of times you always hear is like, I feel like I was a, a boy trapped inside a girl's body. Right. And it's like going, that's the first step to association. It's like they didn't associate with being, you know, who they were. But somebody here goes, uh, somebody on Twitter said, uh, I did it. In 2020, I watched every episode of Star Trek produced, TOS, uh, TAS, so the animated series, TNG, nice. DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, Disco, Picard, Lower Decks, and um, and uh, ST. And they go, this makes this year has been horrible, but this helped make, uh, make it not so bad. And then, of course, I replied, changelings aren't real and the Dominion War didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> What three five nine is inside job? What three five nine was an inside job? I'm I'm um and I as soon as I watched the episode, I knew there was gonna be some rumblings about it. It's the typical motherfucking people's usual suspects who it doesn't matter what is they're gonna hate it. They they solely exist to hate on the new Star Trek. Yeah, like that's their whole YouTube channel. So my thing you know? my thing for them is. Okay, so you like the original stuff. Have you ever looked at the original stuff? You know, have you ever looked at it and actually looked at it with an adult mind going, oh, they're talking about racism, they're talking about gender equality. You know, it's like they're talking about slavery, servitude, you know. It's only, there's only two, oh, you just reminded me of um, Drumhead, bro. Mm. Talk about politics. Um, it's, it's one of two things, and this is just me theorizing. Either... Their experience with Star Trek is when they were a child. So all the stuff went over their head and they refused to look back on it. Right. Which is hard for me to believe because any true Star Trek fan is like me. They're watching that shit over again a million times. Yeah. Um, and the other one is they just don't want to admit it because it doesn't align with what they feel. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people I I've. I, it literally confused me. Like, why do you care so much about what other people are doing? And why does it trigger you so bad? Like, what? And why does everything upset these people? Like, who fucking cares, bro? Yeah. If like, you don't my, like um, it, if it do, if it bothers you that much, stop fucking watching it. There you go. Everything's done. My, my oldest son came out gay, right? Right. And <laughs> came just, out gay, like, yeah, I got a defective one off the line here. He came you out. Know, <laughs> well, you know, I was he was past warranty. You know what do you know? <laughs> He came out, and it was this big. Apple said it was an after after factor, (laughs) an after factory uh, issue. But it was this big deal, you know. He was crying. First of all, we all already knew. Let's keep it real, (laughs) right? But he (laughs) he didn't know. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to figure that out. He's only fourteen, so it's got to be not only confusing, maybe a little terrifying. Yeah, you know what I mean? He doesn't know how everybody's going to react. Right. I mean, if I had you as a dad, I wouldn't know either. (laughs) Well, you know what? And there's a lot of truth in that because he came out and a lot of his friends told him, oh, your dad's from the East Coast. You know, they're known for being bigots. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) No, he's not wrong. (laughs) And I said, (laughs) fuck off. I said, "Um, you know, people where I'm from might be known not being the most sensitive people with the way they speak. I could give a flying fuck who you think is hot. It makes no difference to me. I said, I just want you to be happy. Don't worry about it. He literally thought I was going to throw him out. And then I felt insulted because I was like, fuck you. When have I ever fucking alluded to that? Come over here gay bashing all the time. Fuck out my face. <laughs> Irritating me. 
But I said, I am bummed out, though, because I can't talk about chicks with you if we see chicks on TV. And then William goes, I think chicks are hot. And I'm like, nice. <laughs> and we high-fived. <laughs> But yeah. he thinks anime girls are hot. He's going down a dark path. Oh, this is going to get weird. Yeah, and I'm like, bro, I got to buy you one of those special pillows or what? <laughs> Jesus. Got to buy him one of those uh, inflaties. He's in a hoodie phase right now, William, my youngest son. Oh, he always has a hoodie on and he always has the hood up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, you're cool, man. <laughs> I'm going through that emotional phase. I need to have a hoodie right. on. It's like that chick I sent you from the TikTok where she has all the characters. Oh, right. She, ha- she has one character that she refers to as 12 year old Twilight Me. <laughs> and every time that character comes, it's the same thing. For some reason, you can't hear what they're saying. It's narr- It's like subtitled. And it's always something random. And then they go, What? Because I'm a vampire. And she runs off. <laughs> the chick's fucking hilarious. Also, she's Canadian, of course. which makes it even more funny that she does a bunch of American accent characters. Because she's spot on with that fucking Boston chick. <laughs> spot fucking on. The alcoholism as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Well, welcome everybody to the Away Team, a Star nah. Trek podcast that has nothing but love for Star Trek, but aren't too caught up to not have fun with it. So fuck at them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Steven Vargas. Wait, why fuck me? Because <laughs> you're like, it. nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking intro, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Um, if you, <laughs> before we get into it, my official stance is if you hate Star Trek because it was progressive or whatever buzzword we're putting on it, just stop watching. Go fucking, go watch, go play Call of Duty or something. Fuck <laughs> off. Right? Like, I'm sick of it ruin my shit because <laughs> honestly one of my favorite tv couples is hugh and stamets and that's real talk <laughs> i love those two those two together are like perfect like it's just like it's like a pure kind of love like they fucking love each other yeah bro. and it's not and i over- like that it's not the perfect relationship they be arguing and shit you know and the cool thing is is that you know like like you see hugh trying to help stamets like you know, oh, you're, you know, pride, you know, like he said, he goes, pride, hey, I'm proud. It's a good look on you. You know, it's, it's he's trying to make him more accessible. Fucking neurotic as fuck. <laughs> and Hugh's the, Hugh is smooth. Like, what was, what, what did, I was watching an interview with um, uh, Patrick Stewart. He was talking about when he first met the cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is cool because it's relevant. Um and he said the first thing LeVar Burton said to him, because they were doing a press tour, and LeVar Burton said, cucumber cucumber water. And, and Patrick was like, I'm sorry, what? He's like, you smooth like cucumber water. <laughs> and it's that kind of like 80s black culture talk that really doesn't make any sense, right. but it sounds really fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-wee! <laughs> that's fucking that's fucking you a hundred percent motherfucking be walk around. He the captain. Yeah, like, oh, I know. Right. And it's just like the way he stands up with Giorgio and everybody else is like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. What are you gonna do? I've already been dead. What do you want? <laughs> like, yeah, he's what you... a real G, dude. <laughs> I still don't understand why he's not the head doctor. It just seems like a weird thing for the writers to do. Yeah, I think they should just kill Pollard off or move her somewhere <laughs> we else. Don't need kill her. But it's like why. It's almost like if they, um, if in TNG, 
that Asian lady was the main character. And Crusher was the nurse. Yeah. Right. It just wouldn't make any sense. You know, I don't know. Whatever. Maybe nobody what? likes Pollard, so they're like, yeah, well, we keep her because... Maybe she's a bitch. Bro. Yeah, and there was She's like, somebody's cousin yeah. and shit. It's just stay on the show. <laughs> so, like, and, but everybody deals with her, but everybody likes uh, Hugh better. Which, I mean, how can you not? Like, he knows smooth what's up. Smooth operator. <laughs> Every time he walks in, I hear, smooth operator. <laughs> fucking smooth with it. When he comes in, I keep thinking of that, um, that Bruno, that Bruno Mars, uh, song. What is it? Um... Oh shit! Uh, oh, something fa- um, funk town. Oh no! Oh, uptown funk. Uptown get, funk. Get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like he comes in. He should come be coming in with an entourage. Like that's how I, he is. The moment I knew he was on a different level was when he was talking to Detmer, and he just leaned up on the door frame. I said, "Oh, is this who we are?" <laughs> All right, bro. <laughs> I was like, "I see you, dude." Because <laughs> it's just weird. Because usually Starfleet people are very rigid. Yeah. You know, so it's like he kind of because he is like he stands up straight, like super straight, and then he just kind of what's up, motherfucker? Like what? Yeah, when he's with everybody else, it's like relax. You see that difference in him. But that dude has a great posture too. Like, see, yeah, he does. He's just like, well, you know. Let's be real, dude. I'm, I know this is gonna sound kind of bad. <laughs> Gay people tend to <laughs> take care of themselves at health, but let's be real, right. okay? I'm just saying. I went to West Hollywood once, and everybody was incredibly handsome. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ! I was like, I might turn gay. I don't leave, you know. <laughs> Then my scrubby ass walking down the street. <laughs> I didn't fit in, bro. Well, no, I'm trying you to think say. they may like teddy bears. You never know. You know. Nah, and, and I didn't fit in because I would have <laughs> punched somebody in the face. I don't like to be Ted. Um, it's funny. I was in West Hollywood and I saw a chick. I was like, damn, chick kind of fine, bro. I was walking with somebody. He's like, we're in West Hollywood. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to ask her out. I'm just saying she's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Whatever. This is where the burn started. So we have a point of origin. Something or someone is definitely sending it. Philippa? That's weird. Scientifically speaking. I'm about to do something that might get us both killed. Did you mean what you said? I want in. I can face anything. In USS Discovery Sick Bay, Philippa Giorgio tells Dr. Hugh Colber um, that in the Terran Empire, the Emperor's physician physicians were buried with the Sovereign when the Sovereign died to inspire loyalty. Giorgio rebuffs Colber's questions about her blackouts, but he warns her that the slow onset of brain dysfunction will eventually leave her mad. He was keeping it all the way real, dude. Um, Georgia relents and Colbert scans her in the presence of Commander Michael Burnham. Her heart rate is elevated, though Giorgio deflects and says it is caused by rage. It was um, it was funny because like uh like Hugh took no shit from her. Yeah. Like, you know, just like Which was pissing her off. <laughs> I know. Which I which does this armor because you know she's you know, she knows people fear her because she's unpredictable. Everybody's kinda like, you know, we know you, you're 
you know, a lot of you, a lot of what you say is talk, but yeah, like, you talk a lot of shit, shut the fuck up, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, like what she's like, if, like what she said, she's like, if I had time, I'd poison your children. And then he gets right in her face. If I had time, I'd have children. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> Cause it was, it was really a stupid insult. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm confused as to wh- where that was going. <laughs> Maybe it was something that, hit him that like you know oh well you're you're gay so you're never gonna have children but like you know it's kind of like i know but you know and and i knew that when she she was just reaching (laughs) (laughs) but you know just the comments that he made he's like yeah you know he goes you you know it's gonna start with oh where did i put this where did i bury the last body you know he just was like just picking at her just showing him that he's like i'm i can hit you too so Obviously, we know she's deflected everything because, you know, she with Michael and all of that. But even when she says, you know, it's like my she says something about her mother, which I kill when they all went, you which you killed. And then Michael's like, but, you know, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, Well, also, didn't they have um, I'm sure they downloaded the records while they were over there. The Terran Empire. Yeah. So they probably know all about her anyway. You fucking tell them you're talking about shit. <laughs> In the corridor, um, Burnham runs into Cleveland Booker, who says he must return to his home planet, Kawajan. Right? Yeah. His sure. brother, Kahim, <laughs> who is my least favorite character in this entire episode, <laughs> passed along the request via the courier network. Um, the planet is threatened by Osira and the Emerald Chain, with whom Kahim has been uh, dealing with dealing for 15 years without previously asking for Booker's help. Booker asks Burnham to accompany him, but she notes the planet is a two-week journey at warp, and that a transwarp tunnel would more likely would more likely than not kill him, kill them. Uh, they will need help, she says. This is, they, they do this, they can stop doing this now. It's this like, we know you're going to use the spore drive. Right. <laughs> you don't have to say, oh my God, it would take so long, no warp there. It's like, we get it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we know what's going on. Um, in Admiral Chan- Charles Vance's office, Booker explains that the burn caused damage to subspace that shifted um, Quajan's moon's, Quajan's, sorry, Quajan's moon's orbit which in turn caused tidal changes. Sea locusts emerged from the ocean and consumed their harvest, leaving millions to starve. The emerald chain provided them with a repellent to push the locusts back into the sea, saving their harvest. But Quajan, well, I don't know why, every time I see it, I get confused, um, had to hand over their transforms in exchange. Booger does not know why Osira has returned. Vance is unsurprised and explains that the chain often contacts pre-warp civilizations in distress, some, something it has done to at least 50 other star systems being tracked by Starfleet. Such civilizations typically collapse. Uh, Vance says he is unwilling to risk sending discovery, but Saru suggests traveling to the planet with the, the legal status of observers. The presence of the Federation's watchful eye might tempt Osira. Vance consents but tells Saru to take a defensive posture and jump away if there's any danger. This decision here kind of had me going, huh? Because it's I get the legal status of observers, but we're dealing with pirates. Yeah. What legal status? They're just going to be annoyed that you're there. You know, and then there was a there was something that happened later. 
it kind of, and and it's not that it didn't make sense. We'll talk about it later, but it was just like you, you're dealing with a whole different situation. Starfleet's not the king around here. Like it was one of those things. And I'll bring it up again when we talk about it. At the ruins of the salvage facility on Hunhau, um, Osira chastises Talor for losing the Andorian Wren, who escaped to discovery with Booker and Burnham. Osira tells Talor that when she took him in as a child, she had complicated feelings about the death of his father, implying she killed him to retain control <laughs> of the mercantile exchanges. Suddenly, she beams him into a holding cage with a transform that quickly mes- mesmerizes and then eats him. Back in orbit, Osiris' sizable vessel, the Viridian, jumps to warp. So, <laughs> we have established that she's an evil bitch. And quite well, because this was kind of a terrifying scene. Like, that was your fucking family. That was your nephew, yeah. Like, damn. And even he was going like, oh, well, I understood that, you know, that you needed to do that to, you know. That you killed his dad and he was still riding with you? Right. Like, that you've, you're cold. (laughs) Something, (laughs) something, who hurt you? It kind of hot. She wasn't that bad looking, was Uh, she? Something about her face looked fake, though. Well, yeah. Is that just me? It's probably the makeup. Yeah, but she's only they only they only paint them green. Well, that and the the fake hair and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe it's that. Because I, I, I saw her without the makeup, and uh, I think they added something to the nose. Because there was because I noticed it looked a little there was a little pronunciation. Looks, you know what it looks like? It looks like mine. Like it's been broken. Mm. Maybe they just added to make her look rough or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, because I saw her without it, and I was like, oh, I go. And I'm looking at her nose, and I was like, her nose looks a little different in that. So they must have added something prosthetic. Yeah, it it looked prosthetic. Like, I'm not saying she looks bad. I've seen, (laughs) look, I've seen (laughs) Orion girls in my day, (laughs) (laughs) and they just paint them. You know what I mean? But hers looks a little bit more, almost like what they did with the Klingons in the first season. Like, it was way more well, they, they also did that with her nephew because I saw that guy. The guy yeah, was on he Twitter. The same way. And, he looked just fake. Yeah, and they uh, they showed him without it and without the makeup. You wouldn't recognize him at all. Yeah, they need to tone that down a little bit. Hmm. saying. Well, now they're yeah. featured, so now it's like, well, we can add stuff instead of just painting them green. You know, it's like. Yeah. All I know is when I see the first Klingon, <laughs> they better look right. That's what I'm saying. In a corridor. Saru and acting first off. Oh, let me say this real quick. With all this emerald chain and the and they're dealing, they seem to be the trade network of the area. Now I really want to know where the Ferengis are. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? For real, for real, because it's like, what happened to them? Where these dumbasses <laughs> have? Because if we're if we're anywhere near Earth, we sh- we're not around the Orion Empire, or at least where their home planet is. So it's like I don't know. It's just weird to me. Again, I refer to the map which is 900 years old at this point, but whatever. Um, In a corridor, Saru and acting first officer Sylvia Tilly discuss ship's business. Booker and Burnham are preparing for the jump to Quajan. Rin has has recovered and asked to speak with Saru, and Linus has been confined to quarters (laughs) until his annual shed is complete. So Linus is becoming the little comic Comic relief relief. joy, you know, which is cool. Um... But yeah, he looked kind of gross, bro. Yeah. You go back to your quarters. <laughs> um, Saru also asks about the search for his signature signature <laughs> order, which Tilly says 
um, has been narrowed to execute, hit it, and and manifest. manifest. Nobody likes manifest. <laughs> I like that. Ends. Like manifest. Nobody likes that one. <laughs> and Saru notes, Captain Christopher Pikes has used hit it, um, leaving him to mull the options. Yeah, so he's trying to find his like signature how to say to go to warp which or whatever. Is, which is well to execute an order, but it's funny because they did the same thing in lower decks. Yeah, the, the captain was it's like adorable. Yeah, it's like well, okay. and honestly, um, they were talking about. I I commented on somebody because Star Trek was talking about on Twitter, and I I think proceed, proceed it fits yeah. the character. Yeah, because yeah. he's very matter of fact and analytical. Mm-hmm. So just say proceed. Yeah, or just go with just go with yeah. Fuck it, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> you know, I just don't see Saru as being someone who says something cool. Like hit it or make it you know, so. Or something. Yeah, make it so. He's he's just not that cat, dude. Like he's just just say proceed. You'll make it look dope. <laughs> um, in engineering, Paul Stamets and Adira Tall uh, brief Saru well, until remember, he, remember um, she said you can say. Uh, well, he says you know Kai, Pike said that, and he's like, well, you could put your own spin on it, like you know, hit it, you know, and then and then and then he goes, well, she goes, Bill Stamets wants to see is like. Well, hit it, and then she was like, "Oh, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, okay, we don't need to do that." <laughs> it's a little running gag in the show, and I thought it was funny. I mean, it flushes anything that flushes out Saru's character a little bit more. I'm and then the reaction—I love, love every time he said something. You got the reaction of the crew of like, mm, "Yeah, you know, no, okay." okay. <laughs> um, brief Saru and Tilly on their an- analysis of the SB19 data and information from the black boxes gathered by Burnham. The data show that the burn the burn started in the Rubin Nebula, which has intense radiation and unstable electromagnetic fields. They have also dis- discovered a deliberate audio signal uh, coming from the center of the nebula. The signal has been distorted by magnetic interference, but when played aloud, Tilly recognizes it as the song hummed by the Barzin family um, aboard the USS Tickoff. Adira also reveals that Greytal used to play the tune on his cello because uh, Senatal's um, parents had sung it as a lullaby when he was a boy. They modify the signal to filter out the distortion and are surprised to hear a Federation distress signal. Well, this skipping over. Saru, it, I think that was kind of cool. Like how yeah, they established Saru can hear a lot better than the humans. As the well world. as see, because he got the yeah. eyes where he was able to kind of look at the map and then figure out take out the he isolated it yeah. Saru's kind of the shit dude I'm not gonna lie bro like I'm I, he's starting to become one of my favorite captains for real like I love this dude and I love that he's kind of like nerdy too because <laughs> it, it's kind of different right yeah no captain has been a nerd dude yeah you've had you have all the other captains that just have this you know bravado bravado or, or, or appeal like you know but yeah, you have Saru, who's a bit, yeah, a bit awkward, a little nerdy. Like, he's not a bitch. No. But he's just a nerd. Like, he's, you know. It's like if all he, of us, any of us became captains. Right. <laughs> Fucking adjusting my glasses all the time. Oh, shit, look at that. <laughs> you know, but I still get bitches, though, so whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Adira will write in a logarithm to determine whether it includes an encoded message. It will only take a few hours because, quote, she's pretty fast. Stamets um, notes before Saru and Tilly leave. Once, once alone, Adira asks Stamets to. This is the this is the big scene, by the way. <laughs> um, Adira asks Stamets to um, instead use the pronouns they and them 
as they have never felt like a she or a her. Um, Adira reveals they have never told anyone that except for Gray. So the funny thing about this scene, too, is if it really bothered you about the whole they-them thing, she's also a trill, or yeah. not a trill, but she has a symbiote in her, so she is multiple people. Yeah, that was another thing. That was something uh, my brother brought up because I was like, going, okay, well, the way they handle that is like she never felt like a she or her. Because and then I he, saw someone say that. And, and then, then yeah, they, he said that too. Like he goes, well, it's, she's multiple people. And given that she's human, she's not used to, right. You know, the different personalities in her head. Cause I saw someone comment cause someone said that, well, I mean, she is multiple people. And then someone commented, um, yeah, but no other trill did that. It's like, cause she's not a fucking trill. trill. Yeah. She's Are human. you paying attention? <laughs> she's human. Like, no one, she's having different reactions. Like, fuck yeah. off. Well, like, you hear later on how she says she, how she wakes up. You know, she wakes up feeling like different people. Well, I'm going to be real. It makes, if you really think about it, and I'm not reaching here, the way they've, see, they haven't spelled it out for dumb people, but the way <laughs> they've done it is that, so she's the first human that's got a symbiote, right? Mm-hmm. The trill for thousands of years have existed with this, I will 100% accept this symbiote right humans are not like that humans doubt themselves they're walled off in a lot of areas that was the whole bit with the fucking when they went to the trill planet yeah was that was the reason like she wouldn't she wouldn't communicate with herself so she couldn't communicate with the fucking trill if i can figure out this complex emotional shit i'm pretty sure these dumb motherfuckers can figure it out i think you're reaching a little bit Nah, fuck all that, bro. I figured it all the way out. You kiss my ass with that shit. I'm out here. So from now on, um, I almost said this chick. Uh, Tal don't want to be called a, a gender since they are them. Right. So that's the that's the thing. Dressed in civilian clothes, Burnham and Booker head to the bridge. Booker reveals that Kahim is not his biological brother, but that they use the term because it is something we said we felt yeah because he's like mexican and shit so <laughs> the actress i think the actor um, um not tris <laughs> it was a guy um he uh, seemed more spanish than than like than yeah, mexican. i'm just being i'm racist. being forcefully ignorant for the joke <laughs> racist bastard <laughs> um they drifted apart after kahim began hunting transforms for the chain uh, Burnham asks if which he keep can in fix... mind that for most people, if you're trying to remember the transforms, aside from eating that the Talor, it was the one he saved in in the first episode. Yeah, so like, and and in the first episode too, Book said that his family is a bunch of thieves and right. criminals. So it it sounds like, and we get more into it later, but it sounds like they sold their soul for this you know, for this chain and shit, which seems like what a lot of people are doing because they don't really have many options. So it's a very complex and layered situation, much like most of Star Trek shit. (laughs) Um, They drifted apart. Burnham asks if he can fix their relationship, but he says the starving Quijan is his priority. Booker says he regrets that she will not see Quijan at its um, prior height of beauty. They really make this planet out to be the most gorgeous fucking planet in the damn galaxy. Yeah. On the bridge, um, Joan 
O because I I'm not I'm just not good enough. To notes say O O because that's usually how they call her on the show. Yeah. Um, notes that uh, Detmer has <laughs> modified the helm station's interface from the programmable matter version from the Starfleet upgrade. Detmer says she needs a failsafe. Yeah, she got like really defensive about it, but then I'm sitting there like, look, if that's how she wants the console to be, yeah. Let her change the con. Like, why is everyone up her ass? Well, it's because she's not trusting herself. And I think everybody knows it. Then it's Fuck just like that. she needs to trust herself. And, you know. I don't know. The way I saw it was she didn't like that newfangled 32nd century shit. <laughs> That's what it looked like. And I would have been like, I want my buttons back. <laughs> Fuck this. Do we um, need all this? Hell yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> would be me in the background. Like, yeah, yeah, real. we do. <laughs> With Discovery ready to jump, Saru ordered... Oh, hold on. I gotta wipe my eyes out. So, there's only one thing I'm allergic to on this planet, and that's pine. So, my wife bought a tree. <laughs> because fuck me. I like um, the fact that you're like, I'm allergic to one thing, pine. So, my wife went out and bought a Christmas right. tree. Like, that was... A- no, I've, to- I've told her if you want a real Christmas tree, it's fine. I just... It's not a bad allergy. I just need to take an allergy pill and I'll be fine. I just haven't swung by the store and gotten it yet. Um, with Discovery ready to jump, Saru orders the crew to execute. Which <laughs> was weird. Uh, leaving the bridge officers underwhelmed. I like um, that the look of like, mm, yeah, like everybody was kind of like, uh, no, right. not so much. Above Quajan, um, Discovery receives no response to its hails as Booker observes nervously. Oh, oh, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Reports that a cruiser class ship will arrive in 30 minutes. And Booker says it is likely Osira um, aboard the Viridian. Saru sends Booker um, and Burnham to the surface, instructing Burnham to figure out if discovery can be of service, but to return to the ship at the first sign of trouble. Like we're going to trust her at this point. Like, <laughs> like if there's trouble, you just get back here. Uh, get back I here. I real don't trust her. Yeah. And I'm not even on the ship. <laughs> Um, in sick bay, I would have liked Saru. I would have liked Saru to go, um, Mr. Booker. I have no control over you, no matter how much I want to. Oh. <laughs> I would want him to say, "Look, at this at this point, Booker, I trust you more than this chick. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I need." <laughs> um, and she's just standing there, okay, fucker. <laughs> yeah. She does that um, look of when she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the tail tilt. <laughs> In sick bay, Giorgio complains about having to dress in a tight white outfit that makes her look like a human spermatosa. Spermatosa, yeah. Yeah. But Dr. <laughs> Pollard um, explains it is made of a hyperconductive material that interacts with electromagnetic gel for extensive blah, 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 Star Trek babble. <laughs> Technobabble, yeah. Although the Technobabble makes a lot more sense now <laughs> that we're in 2020. Right. Like, that that actually legit makes sense. Um, Pollard um, anesthesizes <laughs> Giorgio and begins the scan. I like this bit where she's like, "I need you to count back." She's like, "I don't care what you." <laughs> she just passes, passes out. out. <laughs> Not to mention um, when they put her in that weird outfit, you realize how small she is. Oh my god! I know you're just. She's like... a really just slight human being. <laughs> You know, and and you're kind of like, damn, all that fucking sass. <laughs> it's like, it's amazing to me. Because well, she makes, her attitude, she makes herself look bigger. Yeah. And I'm talking about the actors, not just in this show, oh, but yeah. even in, in a lot of the um, 
martial art movies that she was in. I was just she watching just, Super Cop the other day, rewatching yeah. that one. I was like, God, she was such a badass. She just looks like a badass. You think she's six five? <laughs> um, in a room with a piano, Adira plays the cello as Stamets enters. Um, they explain the skill came with the Tall Trill symbiote. They they also reveal that they can still feel the manifestation of Gray, but that he has stopped talking to them. Stamets speculates that Gray needs space. And Adira says the symbiote's memories from past lives often leave her confused. Stamets says the logarithm will take hours to finish and he plays the piano as Adira falls on the cello. So this was a nice scene. But tell me if you felt the same way. I felt like it was just oddly placed. Like yeah. it didn't fit. Like, like it could have fit in like earlier. Like a little bit earlier yeah. because now you're starting to get into like because the... now we're going to be in Saru's ready room. It just there's some high action shit going on, and then it was just all of a sudden there was just like it had to have been a minute yeah. of them just bonding, which is fine, but it just seems that like it was just in a weird place. I don't know. It kind of threw me off, to be honest. It did kind of off the pacing a little bit. Yeah. Get it together. Who directed this? Jonathan Frakes. Damn it! It was perfectly <laughs> done. I apologize. <laughs> Couldn't have been done better. It was <laughs> Citizen Kane level brilliance. <laughs> like the scene itself was fine. It just, I don't know. It, I thought the it, scene it itself was good, but it didn't ruin anything. I was no. just kind of like, oh, that's kind of odd. Like it could have happened um, just before we saw with Giorgio. Right. Because they would get that and then we get like the build with Giorgio and then we get the ready room. Right. So, Steve, get in and direct a couple episodes, bro. <laughs> Come on. Um, this, this, one, this one I was surprised with Tilly's like attitude that was another thing that threw me off because it was it's too quick <laughs> like she's badass all of a sudden come on now it's Rue's ready room um ren bursts in angrily demanding an audience but tilly can confidently cast <laughs> cast gates these words that no one uses <laughs> him um she basically says um no not until you show the the, the respect that the rank deserves but she said it It was not her. Like, I was just like, what? Do You don't talk like that. Like, who fucking took the badass pills this morning? Well, I think um, in a little bit she is gaining more confidence, which is what she's suffering from. But she gains more but what I, But what you figure out is that later is, like, it's all, when she's on the bridge during, like, like, in this instance, it's just, like, somebody coming through the door. But when on the bridge, she's, she's a little, like, she's starting to gain confidence, but she's a little... Like, maybe we could I, do this. Yeah, I think it's because she's with her crewmates. I think she don't give a fuck about this damn Andorian motherfucker coming mm -hmm. in because he's not in the crew. Right. And he coming in big and shit. Yeah. You know, so that makes sense because um, he did come in like a fucking asshole, dude. <laughs> oh, by the way, oh, the guy that plays um, uh, Ren is the is Tilly's real life husband. Oh, for real? No for wonder real. she fucking checked his book out. It wasn't even in the script, bro. Yeah, he was supposedly he's um he in an interview he said he's been a lifelong Star Trek fan since he was a kid, and that his mom got him into it and they would watch Star Trek together. So because this was like a a dream come true for him, and he said I like that, when it's I like when it's a big fan that gets a role and shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it gives me hope. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, when I get in there, I'll get you in there. I'll get you oh, as a bridge you. officer. I appreciate it. <laughs> Just in the background, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, leaning up against, leaning up against like the engineering console. You know, like, I'm in the background of, of a few scenes and I'm always Riker leaning on something. 
<laughs> every single time. Um, <laughs> the still irritated Rin uh, thanks them for healing him, but says the Federation assistance <laughs> always comes with strings. I thought it was funny because right after he said that, Tilly's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. I'm like, fucking bitch. <laughs> but um, it's funny, later he mentioned something else and she's like, um, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's some boogeyman shit going yeah. on. Um, he asked to beam down to Quajan with Booker, and Saru says he can if the Quajan accept him, but warns that Osira will will arrive in 15 minutes and most likely would recapture him. Just then, Booker and Burnham um, enter Quajan's uh, defended area, and Discovery loses track of their signal. In a forested area on the planet, Burnham notes that her tricorder readings are scrambled, and Booker welcomes her to Sanctuary. Around them float... The blue sea locusts. Booker notes that their presence so far inland means the planet has not received any repellent for weeks. Book uses his empathic, I almost said empathetic, (laughs) empathic abilities to part the locusts so they can pass, telling Burnham that he cannot force them aside and instead can only ask. Um, Basically, Book is like an environmentalist stream. Yeah. Because they really stra- – every time – I almost wanted – I almost thought Michael was going to snap at him. Because anytime she brought up the plan of getting them to go back to the she's like, I can only ask them. It's up to them. <laughs> and I wanted her to roll her eyes and go, motherfucker, I get that. All right? <laughs> Jesus. Um, they were very beautiful locusts, though. Like I wish They were. They, it was re- like a cool blue to yeah. them. Man. This looked pretty dope. Um, Quajon scientists have long sought a way. To ask the locusts uh, back out to sea to no avail. The two are suddenly surrounded by armed Quajon. Um, the leader complains that Booker, whom he calls uh, Ter- Ter- what was it again? Terracax or Terax or whatever. Yeah. Some goofy ass name. Um, brought the Federation with him. The two verbally spar, and Booker reveals that the man is his brother, Kahim. Hmm. Da 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 da. <laughs> um, Act two, while still undergoing the scan, the sweat dampened, but semi-conscious Giorgio's <sighs> anchorphalacographic, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's right, readings um, peak and Colbert warns that she is having another episode. The scan is only 83% complete, but Pollard warns she could ha- um, have a cerebral hemorrhage and the, and the scan should be aborted. Colbert insists saying they cannot otherwise learn what is wrong with Giorgio. The disturbed doctors watch in shock as Giorgio's face distorts briefly, but bizarrely. It didn't distort. It looked like this bitch was, was out of phasing, phase. phasing, yeah. Yeah. Um, Giorgio has another flashback to her discovery of the bloody um, son in the Terran universe and Awakens. She leaves angrily, having stolen one of the electrodes used from the scan. Um... On Quajon, Booker criticizes the character of Kahim, um, meaning his like personal character, <laughs> not the actual character. Yeah, he um, took a break from actually addressing the actor real to the character. <laughs> and he just said, no, I don't think this motherfucker written right. All right. Um, <laughs> and their family for selling transforms to the chain. Kahim reveals Osira lured Booker to um, Quajon in order to recover Rin. Um, the Quajon desperately need... Um, the Quajon desperately need the repellent, but Booker refuses to return Rin to slavery. The Viridian arrives and scans Discovery. Um, Genrys 
uh, suggests going to yellow <laughs> alert, but Saru says diplomatic protocol uh, cautions against any action that could be misinterpreted as provocation. Saru tells, um, I felt like a super nerd because I thought that before he said it. Yeah. Like, I just knew Starfleet protocol that well. That's sad. <laughs> it's not a real thing. <laughs> right. Um, so get into the get into the military. Well, technically, Starfleet protocol. This isn't Starfleet. This is the naval. This is the navy. We blow everything up. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> where's the button? Um, <laughs> um, Saru tells Ari Bryce um, to tell to try to break through to Burnham and have her return to the ship before accepting Osiris. Hey, I like how he kind of slickly said it. He's like, "Can you get? Can you get a mic? No. Okay." <laughs> <laughs> um, Saru says discovery is in observational presence there at the request of the Quajon. Osiris says they are harboring a wanted criminal, Rin, though Saru says he is unaware of Rin being wanted by any authority recognized by the Federation. (laughs) Unbowed, Osiris tells Saru to send Rin to her ship, but Saru resists on the planet Booker and Kahim um, nearly come to blows over uh, giving up Bren. Yeah, it's a lot of brother versus brother shit going on with yeah. those two. Um, Saru questions how Osira can claim to hold Ren in slavery when Orions were once <laughs> enslaved themselves. I was like, ooh, that snake burn. That was, that was the, the reaction it, that it she visibly, gave. Visibly pissed her off. Too. Yeah. She got real defensive. She responds that her ancestors knew that power is virtue and that there is no nobility and suffering. Just based on some flowery bullshit that made no sense. Saru was right. Deep burns, motherfucker. <laughs> deep burns. Um, <laughs> I wanted someone on the bridge to go, oh, <laughs> It'd be the dudes from Transporter Room 3 came out there and go, oh, oh shit. Sideways caps. <laughs> <laughs> then if he does not give up Rin in five minutes, she will destroy the planet's surface. Drew orders Tilly to bring Rin to the bridge. As he drinks Quajon whiskey, <laughs> Gaheem talks to a holographic uh, projection of Osira who notes that the sanctuary has a strong defense system. He insists he brought Booker to the planet as Osira wanted, but she says she needs to capture Booker and burn him to leverage. Um, he refuses to turn off the defense system and hands them over. So Osira instead, and hand them over, sorry. So Osira instead threatens to allow the locusts. Is it locusts or locusts? I think it's just locusts. I think it's just locusts. Yeah, allow the locusts to, to locusts eat. Um, locusts. Is, it just didn't sound right. I was like, nah. Um, to eat Quajon's harvest, noting he has a young son who would start typical bad guy bullshit. Yeah. You know, um, When he does not give in, the Viridian opens fire on the planet, threatening to burn 10 hecapitates of forest a lot um, for every minute he delays. With the defense system holding for now, Booker and Burnham fleet. First of all, I'm going to tell you like this. Osira is terrifying because she don't give a fuck, dude. Kind of in a hot way. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how hot she is. This chick is ultra evil. (laughs) Sorry. Been sitting the same way for like an hour. Thought you'd be standing. I don't know why. Steve has an issue that I have a standing (laughs) desk. Anytime it casually comes up in conversation, I can hear the smugness. The, <laughs> ugh. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Jealousy is not a good color on you. All right? Um, uh, on Discovery. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm about to press that button. Fucking stand up, <laughs> bitch ass. <laughs> On Discovery, the crew questions why Osira wants Rin um, badly enough to carpet bomb Quajan. <laughs> they make it sound like the t- that fucking um, the crew was real snotty about it. Like, <laughs> damn, it's like that. <laughs> um, but it wasn't like, damn, that. the fuck you do? You fuck her husband or something? Jesus, <laughs> man. But he refuses to say. Saru orders uh, weapons brought online, saying they must prevent Osira from committing atrocities. So Saru is like incredibly by the book. And part of me is like you act in the fool because no one follows these rules anymore. But then I kind of get it from a character point of view, right? Yeah. Because he stands for the ideals of the Federation. Right. The rules are what govern them. Because he's he's even said that before, even like um, early on when – when uh, Georgia was uh, came into that little bar and was starting to beat him, he's like, "No, we have the we have the rules that we have to follow. Even though the rules don't apply, we still have the rules that govern us." So, yeah, because it, it keeps everybody honest and shit. So, I, I said in the beginning of the episode I was going to call some out. This was what I was going to call out, but I'm kind of as I'm reading it, I'm like, "Nah, I get it," because Saru isn't a bitch. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna go down to her level, right? And act the fool. I just don't want anyone to get hurt. Um, at a corridor computer terminal, Giorgio hacks into the electrode, but is distracted when Discovery goes to red alert. Concerned about Burnham, she is intercepted by two guards and Colbert, who reveals he knows uh, she was going to help Burnham, but that her condition makes her a liability. She tells Colbert the scan shows she's dying. But he says her situation is not that cut and dry. So he knows what's going on, but we don't. Yeah. What I liked is that when he showed up, he showed up with security with him. Like, he showed up. <laughs> he showed up with some heat. Bro. I was like, oh, shit. He's like, damn. He's like, I ain't fucking with this bitch. He's like, I know how she is. And um, what's funny is is that the way he responded is like, it doesn't take a scientist to know that you're going down there to help Michael. But right. that, you know, that she almost got killed last time with you. He was like, he told, he went to security and was like, listen. I've been talking shit to this chick all day. <laughs> I, I think I've got to the limit and I'm not trying to get fucked up out here. <laughs> so uh, I need two of your most expendable guys. Cause in case she goes rogue, you know, I need some red. Sh- I mean, <laughs> <Richards. laughs> <laughs> on the surface, uh, Burnham and Booker run through the forest as weapons fire. Uh, weapons fire begins to penetrate the sanctuary's defense systems. Um, this is kind of an intense scene because they're running. Shit's just blowing up. I was like, oh, shit. Um, though they are still unable to contact Discovery. Uh, Reese cannot determine if the Viridian shields have any weaknesses, but Rin um, volunteers to show them, citing his experience on salvage duty. Nilsson warns that Discovery attacking Osira will draw retribution from the chain against the whole Federation. Oh, this was the part that I thought was dumb. However, Tilly suggests firing on her from a non-Federation ship, Booker's ship, piloted by a Starfleet pilot who will be disciplined severely for disobeying orders and for going rogue. Detmer shares a knowing look with Saru. Now, the scene was dope. All what I'm going to say happens was fucking fire, and I'm happy that it was there. But that logic of... Oh well, legally we're in the right. You're dealing with pirates. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like, but again, they have. The ship. But again, they have orders, and they need. I know that, but they. I get that they're doing that so Vance doesn't yell at them, 
but they're making it sound like, oh, she can't get us because we found this loophole. That's what they were kind of presenting it as. Well, using using a way of like, uh, yeah, using it as a legal loophole. But, you know, because at least on their side, they'd be like, well, you know, he took off. They took off and went and did that, even though everybody would know. But it would give it's like some type of leverage. I'm just saying, Osiris not going to take him to Judge Judy, bro. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But I guess that's really the only choice they had anyway. So, you know, it was better than just Discovery turning on all the cannons. <laughs> um, I still, I kind of wanted them to, though. I want to see what them upgrades look like. <laughs> I think they're saving that for, like, later on. Big-ass battle. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, they had the detachable nacelles, so they would have been able to maneuver a lot better. The det- <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> the detachable nacelles are, act- are actually weaponized. It's like the... um. What was that fucking ship in the Voyager episode? The Prometheus or something? And it could split into three ships or three oh, yeah, ships. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's what it is now, dude. <laughs> um, Detmer and Rin leave the shuttle bay in Booker's ship. He directs her to fire where the Viridian's gun wall, um, or gun whale, sorry, meets the aft nacelles. Amid intense fire, Detmer um, says she cannot determine from sensors whether she hit her target, but Rin assures her that she has weakened Osiris' shields and must continue the attack. Rin is alarmed when Grudge <laughs> jumps into his lap, but Detmer reassures him the cat is harmless. Yeah, he was not having that cat. Know, he's like, what the hell is this? He's like, it's a cat. What, was like a pet? <laughs> and then after it goes, did you see how like tight he clutched the cat? Like, <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> From the surface, the Viridian is close enough that Booker can identify his ship attacking with the naked eye. That was fun. Is that my ship? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they are was it like the third time they've used his ship, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, like, does he not have a lock on it? I know. I know it's like, hit the alarm. Oh, no. Remember, it says while it's in the, sh- in the shuttle bay, it will remain unlocked or something Saru said because they were keeping the um, dilithium oh, on right, it. Oh, right, right, right. But I would assume the dilithium was already moved off of it at the base, but whatever. I can't make assumptions. I don't know what the fuck happened. <laughs> um, but they're attachable around. nacelles. <laughs> <laughs> they store them in the attachable nacelles. <laughs> Listen, Steve and I are vibing on the fact that the attachable nacelles are stupid. <laughs> they have no functional, like, I mean, but, even when they even when they jump, do you notice the nacelles attached back to the ship? Right, so why are they? <laughs> just, like, it, it's just stupid. <laughs> It's just dumb. It's the same thing with fucking um, Voyager when it could move its <laughs> nacelles. And then they tried to retcon that and go, oh, it was because of that one obscure episode <laughs> where they said that warping at max warp was bad for subspace. Right. And um, that's why I'm like, shut the fuck up. That's not why you put you put it there because it, it looked, looked cool. cool. <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> the thing is, if you're going to do shit just because it looks cool. Don't, don't mention it. Right. But just shut up. You know. <laughs> but they had to explain it in these detachable nacelles. Oh, and the nacelles attached because of the the reprogrammable map. So now it's a thing. Now, now I have to wonder why. Why was that? It needed? improves maneuverability. Why? It improves this dick. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Can they warp up now? They don't have to turn the ship. <laughs> yeah. Than the ship at all. <laughs> my face. <laughs> oh, anyway, <laughs> they're surrounded by Kahim's guards, but all but all are knocked to the ground by a nearby explosion. And Booker and Burnham 
fight them off. Booker's ship's shields are down to 10%, um, prompting Rin to suggest retreat. But Detmer says they must continue until Burnham is clear. Rin tells her that he fears being vaporized by Osira, but she tells him that if you face something, you can beat it, which is, you know, it's not 100%, but I get it. Hmm. Detmer switches to full manual mode. Motherfuckers <laughs> remind me of Riker when the joystick came and up. And I thought it was a little ironic that it was like Riker directing this one. So they give. Yeah. But I'm was like, you put this in here. What was funny, though, because I mentioned this to Adam. I was like, so Riker had the joystick. She has uh, switch week um, joy cons. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was very modern. I liked it. It wasn't a flight stick. It was, it was actually kind of dope looking um, on the planet. Kahim attacks Booker. Um, because this is a thing, um, who says he must have known all along that Osira would consider kidnapping him for leverage. He gives a weapon to Kahim and dares him to hand him over. Um, honestly, the whole warring brothers thing is like a, is like a side arc that no one gives a fuck about. It's, 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 it's there just to explain that he book can't just show up and fix things. Right. It's just added tension. It works, but it was annoying too. It was annoying because the character himself was annoying me. Like stop <laughs> being a dumbass, you know? Um, act four. Keem is unable to betray his brother. Surprise, surprise. They watch from the surface as Detmer continues aggressively. You think I didn't like this show. Um, <laughs> continues aggressively attacking the Viridian. Even though I was jumping up and down on my seat, especially when fucking Detmer was flying that shit, man. I was like, oh shit, we'll fucking some Star Wars shit. We'll fucking do with the fucking This is how I learned. And it's like, I'm with you. Good, because I think I'm about to do something that's going to get us both killed. <laughs> uh, Rin tells her how to target the weapon system generator. Significantly damaged, the Viridian stands down. Osira promises retaliation for their actions and warps away. She doesn't kind of like, you will get the full force of the chain. And Saru. I'll get legit. you my pretty and your right. little dog too. And Saru looked concerned. Okay. He wasn't like, hey, fuck you bitch. Yeah. He looked concerned um, on the surface. What I like though is, you know, when uh, her ship was damaged, she contacts Saru and then Saru's like, your ship looks like it's taken damage. Would you like us to assist? Like, right. <laughs> that's some typical Starfleet shit. Yeah, well, they did that in the um, in the Kelvin movie. Remember? Yeah, the the yeah the two thousand nine one. Yeah. And then and as soon as dude was like, "I'd rather die," I'm like, you got it. Yeah. Like, I was like, "That was funny." <laughs> was like, I'd rather die. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Um, where the fuck was I, bro? Like, on the surface. Kahim says uh, they will starve without the repellent. There are too many locusts um, for Booker and Kahim. Um, sorry, I'm blanking. I'm tired to move them out to sea. But Burnham has an idea. She returns to Discovery and pre prepares to amplify the electromagnetic connections between the locusts. Uh, so that the brother brothers can use their empath, empathic powers. Booker and Kahim begin chanting together as their foreheads glow. It, it was cooler than that sounds. Um, the surrounding locusts swarm and Bryce amplifies the message. Um, the locusts begin moving back to out to sea, saving the, saving the Kojan harvest and preventing mass 
starvation. This is some Star Trek shit, bro. <laughs> like through and through. They came up with some wacky fucking plan that I never would have thought of in a million years <laughs> and solved some shit. I dug it. In the mess hall, Detmer gushes about her piloting adventures to Owo, Nilsson, Rays, and Bryce. Uh, Rin sits alone nearby where Tilly joins him. He warns that Osira will return with a vengeance and says he was raised to believe that the Federation was deceitful. He also warns that Osira wants him so bad because he knows a secret that Osira and the chain are running out of dilithium. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Booker, Burnham, Kahim, and Kahim's son, Leto. Oh, yeah. Walk past um, <laughs> Linus. I forgot about that kid. Uh, walks past Linus in the corridor. Much to Lido's delight. Booker says that uh, Quajan is still his home, but that he can make a difference for many planets aboard Discovery. Burnham t- takes Lido away with a promise to go peel skin off of Linus's face. Um, it was it was a cute little moment. Like, you want to you could peel a peen in it? Um, Kahim. Kid's like, says, oh, yeah. Yeah, down. <laughs> um, Kahim says the name Book sounds odd, though Booker promises that there is a story behind it that he might share the next time they meet, um, leaving a little breadcrumb for us, hopefully sooner than in another 15 years. Booker tells Kahim he held things together and saved Quajan, and they touched foreheads before parting. Um, <laughs> the way that's written sounds kind of like weird, mm-hmm. but it, they did like a little, you know how Star Trek always says like a weird yeah. goodbye, you know, or something from an alien. Um, they did a funky handshake. In engineering, Cobra finds Stamets and a sleeping Adira burning the midnight oil. Uh, they have nothing to do until the logarithm finishes, and Colbert urges Stamets to let Adira sleep as they talk softly. Stamets tells Colbert that the manifestation of Grey has stopped speaking to Adira, but that their work remain, remains excellent. Adira reveals they are awake and tired and tired leaves. Colbert uh, amusingly notes that Stamets feels pride. I'm going to be real and I respect that whoever wrote this is is using the pronouns that the character wants. It confuses me. Like, I'm like, who? Because I keep thinking there's multiple people there. I don't it, it take it. I think this is the most hardest thing for people to adjust to. Like, I'm not I'm not like pissed off about it. It just doesn't like there's something in my head that thinks I'm saying things incorrectly. But, you know, nowadays that makes me an asshole. So, I don't know. Um, you don't have anything to say? You're just going to let me hang out here? and Pretty much. I think you've done a pretty good job hanging yourself up there. Thanks. So. I, I appreciate it. No problem. Um, Burnham and Booker prepare to repair his <laughs> ship, which was hit by eight photon torpedoes during the battle. She asks if he wants. I like how he says it looks like it's been hit by 12, a dozen photon torpedoes. <laughs> well, it's actually been eight. Yeah. <laughs> And he met it. He met it when he um, said he understood their mission. Booker replies that discovery saved them from a century-long problem, and that he wants to similarly, whatever, help help more worlds. She says he will have to clarify his intentions with Saru, and says she liked um, seeing Quajan. Booker replies that he likes being there with her. Very sweet moment. Um, for some reason, there's no fucking like special notes for this episode. I guess it was perfect because Frank's directed it. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, there's nothing to really say about it other than whatever the fuck we want to say. I thought it was actually a, a pretty solid episode. I really kind of enjoyed, um, you know, they're kind of giving, you know, book a little direction. However, I've been hearing people online and I kind of thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, they kind of are. People go with the progress book is making. There kind of seems like he's setting up, they're setting him up to die at the end of the season. And then I, I kind of felt that too. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Cause there's always that guy that, you know, in military movies, the one that has, oh yeah, when I get out of here, I'm going to marry my girl. We're going to have kids. Yeah. We're going to live with this. It's like, oh yeah, he's going to die. You know? Well, because he's, and also too, he's a problem to the main story. If you really think about it, because he's a reason that Michael would want to leave the ship. Mm. So, and since she just has a history of bad relationships, why not add that to it, right? Right. So to clean up the fucking loose thread, they'll just kill him off. <laughs> and but he'll die in like a blaze of glory. Right. He'll die in a noble way. The ship. Yeah. Know? Which is fine. He'll and we'll be remembered by Starfleet. He'll be. He'll be. Uh, he'll get a. Um, he'll get his own ship class named after him. You know. Right. <laughs> USS Book. You know. <laughs> the USS. Uh, yeah. It's like I'm captain of the USS Book. And you got to say it that way. Like you, you got to say it that way. You can't say, "I'm I'm captain of the USS Book." It's like, no, you got to say "book." I mean, he could he could not die, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, you know. So, um, because he, and he also doesn't. As much as I like the character, he doesn't fit. He's the odd man out. Like he fit in this episode because it was about his home planet, but he doesn't. He's always like he's either not there. Or he's just following Michael around. Well, I think it's it's to to visually represent the divide she had. But right. after the last episode, it seemed like she's already kind of settled up with that. And then bringing Book on board is like kind of like, ooh, cool, I get to have best of both worlds. But you won't. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, he'll die saving her, and it'll be her stupid decision that they went, you know, because she... You know, just went against the rules or whatever, did her own thing, causing this. So it's going to be another mortal complex that she's going to keep with her. Hmm. I think um, Michael's going to kill him <laughs> because he left the toilet seat up. Some silly shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because she wants to start a, a war with the new Klingons, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what we don't have? A war. Right. <laughs> Like, had you the bitch that started the Klingon war? Yeah. Fuck out my face. Did you need to start a new one while you were here in the 31st century? <laughs> Any other mistakes you want to make to fuck up everybody's life? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. She starts another war, and that's where the whole crew goes, Oh, Michael. You know? <laughs> here she goes again. <laughs> oh, fuck. You know what's funny is, like, if you really think about it, and I like the character, but she really... <laughs> Hasn't grown in a positive way at all. If you really think about it, like she's grown. Yeah, but not to the extent that everybody else has. Exactly. Like everyone else is like, yay team, yada, yada, yada. But I think it fits the character because she's so fucking melodramatic about everything. Like she needs to just be how she was attitude wise in the beginning, where it's like duty and the the task at hand somewhere down the line she got really fucking mopey about everything <laughs> and now she's a damn mess because <laughs> that's what happens 
<laughs> so I don't know, man. Like I hope this whole book thing, like I think they're trying to have her having a boyfriend will mellow her out. But I think now she's too mellowed out. <laughs> it's like she went too far in the one direction. Well, it's funny. Like there was that scene when, you know, uh, where book fought his brother and um, Michael was holding the, that rifle at him. And he's like, no. And he, and my, and then book tries to take it from her. And she gives him that look of like, motherfucker, I'm from the streets. Like I yeah. need this. Like she, like, like she was ready to ready to I go down that path. I don't trust her. <laughs> I always think like in that situation where we I was watching that and I, I saw that little moment. I go, she's about to shoot this motherfucker. <laughs> Immediately thought that. Well, she's a Luckily ride or die. She she's a ride or die. You know, it's like she's yeah, ride or die. <laughs> ride or fuck up. Bro. Make everything worse. <laughs> she get up. Pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> now, I get, you know, in, in Michael's defense. She's been through some shit. Right. <laughs> I get it. And right. she wasn't the only one who came out unscathed. Giorgio's a mess. Right. Detmer's got PTSD. <laughs> um, Hugh and Stamets were fucking on the rocks for a while when motherfucker died and came back as a yeah, blank but Coming slate. to the future really set that shit right, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, Adira's a mess too. <laughs> yeah. She's trying to figure out her pronouns and shit. And then um Saru, that's Saru. That's Saru, a pimp, motherfucker. There ain't nothing wrong with Saru. But. What I like, though, is that he learned from the mistakes la- of the last week's episode. This time he went to Starfleet and said, hey, we got a problem. You yeah. Know? But see, that's what pisses me off. That's not pissed me off, but when I saw, when when um Michael went on that rogue mission or whatever, I was just disappointed. I'm like, did you not learn? Like you, you just made everyone. And then her answer to Tilly was, "I had to go." It's like you selfish bitch. <laughs> like you had all these people for the last two seasons have existed solely for you. <laughs> like they, they pushed along, they followed you along, they, they help you, they support you, and you basically spit in their face because my boyfriend needs help. <laughs> Like, she was that chick, dude. Right. And I'm like, aren't you smarter than this? Aren't you supposed to be some kind of, like, top flight fucking... I was a security Craig. <laughs> security Craig. Security Craig. But it's just like, fucking Jesus. Like, I don't know. If if there's one criticism that's not a joke, they they need to pick a direction with her. Yeah. I, I feel like she's a little all over the place right now. Maybe that's the direction, but, I mean, it's just... Maybe it's it's giving her kind of all over the place to kind of, you know, cause you kind of need that one year where you kind of fuck off and then you get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I feel that that's where maybe he's going, maybe Booker is somehow because of him joining Starfleet, getting into their mission, it's going to reinforce her that this is the right choice and then get her shit together. That makes sense. So the motivating factor. I think it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, it's not ruining episodes for me. It's not something that's pissing me off. I'm just kind of like, can we get with the program here? Hmm. You know, we don't have time for you to, your self-growth bullshit. Hmm. Right? The only thing that fucks this up for me is the pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> right. As soon as I heard that fucking sentence about the pronouns, I I, I lost my mind. Because, <laughs> you know, Star Trek and getting woke, you know, it's like. Right. Star Trek has always been a hyper conservative and Christian television <laughs> show. I seem to remember in TNG, it was the only, the first 
and only television show I had ever seen that blatantly said religion was silly. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's on TV. Hmm. And no one even noticed. Yeah. I think people don't listen to Picard when he speaks. I think that's the problem. I saw a clip uh, before we close this out. I saw a clip the other day, and it's just a brief clip from TNG. And it was when um, Data was giving like a briefing of something that happened on a planet. And he said, oh, yeah, they, they did a, um, a coup. Um, and then he explained what a coup was. And he said it's from the obscure like, French language. And then Picard <laughs> got offended and was like, for centuries on Earth, French, the French language meant civilization. Hmm. And then Data was like, and I mean, I guess, but blah, blah, blah. And then Riker told him to just let it go. But the reaction on everyone's <laughs> face had me fucking rolling. <laughs> as soon as he said something ill about the French language, look at Deanna was like, <laughs> I thought this shit was funny. Especially with such an Englishman fucking being upset about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the most English French guy I've ever seen, you know? That's right. Um, Except Momo. <laughs> you know what, though? In the little time he spoke French, he spoke French. Like, he sounded like he was straight out from fucking Paris, dude. Momo? <laughs> Momo. It's still like that. That was so sad, dude. <laughs> A moment, number one. Like, oh shit! One more. Like there was, it was that scene. Honestly, was if you if you really pay attention to the subtlety when he turns back and sees his mom disappeared, you see everything in a split second where he realized she wasn't there, and then there's this like deep sadness. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, he's such a good actor. I'm so sad. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to make an impact on the world, you can donate to our program. Just head over to the Lazy Geek Stock. <laughs> Click the donate button. And if you can't help us out monetarily, go ahead and drop us a review. Share the show with people you like, people you don't, people you kind of like, you know, maybe their lives will be impacted by this. So I'll let them know. You know, we don't give a shit. So share. <laughs> you can check out the show. This all, no, You can check out all our <laughs> fucking shows on the Lazy Geeks Network. By either going to the website or just typing in the Lazy Geeks on your podcast app. And if you have comments, questions, you know, have thoughts on the detachable um, nacelles, uh, <laughs> go ahead and hit us up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all under at the Lazy Geeks, or email us, old school, uh, the mailbag at thelazygeeks.com. So that is it for us this week. So until next time, I'm Stephen Vargas. I'm Adam Riley. Two to beam up.